Hi, I'm Isaac. And I'm Juana, and you are listening to Gen Impact, a podcast of the Aptos Community Youth Program, where we provide entertaining and informative feedback for all audiences. As this new school year is in full swing and some normously is being reestablished, many youth are now turning their attention towards getting back into the routine of in-person education. In season one of our finale episode, we brought on Congressman Jimmy Panetta of California's 20th District, who represents our area in the United States House of Representatives. We look forward to learning about Congressman Panetta's experience with leadership, life in public service, and experience with national policy. It is important for us as youth leaders to learn and be inspired by great leaders and people such as Congressman Panetta. Congressman Panetta, welcome to Gen Impact. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Isaac Wana, thank you very much for this. I appreciate this opportunity, definitely. And uh, also Lisa, too. Thank you very much and uh, look forward to speaking to you and uh, appreciate everything that you do uh, at the Aptos Community Youth Program. But more importantly, I appreciate what you do for our community. Obviously, we've met a few times now and uh, seeing all of the good work and service that you do for all of us uh, is, is truly appreciated. So this is a real honor to be a part of this. So thank you very much. Great. All right. To start off, Congressman Panetta, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you start your career? Uh, what did you do before you were elected? Oh, sure. Gosh. Well, so I've been uh, the United States representative for my home, our home on the central coast of California since January of 2017. Prior to that, I was in the uh, district attorney's office down here in Monterey County for about six years. I was on the um, the gang team, so basically uh, dealt with, uh, unfortunately, uh, gang members who committed some very, very serious crimes uh, down here in Monterey County, throughout Monterey County. Uh, prior to that, I was up at the Alameda County District Attorney's Office in Oakland, California, um, doing uh, uh, general felonies up there. Uh, during that time in the District Attorney's Office, I uh, volunteered for uh, the Naval Reserve and then volunteered to be mobilized and deployed and served them in Afghanistan. Uh, from 07 to 08, an operation enduring freedom as well. Um, a topic that's uh, in the news uh, definitely re- re- right now, especially with what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, we can get into that later. But, you know, I think pretty much always done something that is uh, basically about, you know, serving and, and public service. Uh, it's not something I had planned to do when I was your age. It's just something that sort of uh, was ingrained in me. And then obviously I continued to uh, act on that in the steps that I took forward. Uh, once again, not knowing uh, exactly what I wanted to do, especially at your age, but definitely took steps in order to take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to me, uh, mainly because of my education and where I went to school and what I did, uh, basically to, as my mother said, never let the grass grow under my feet and always go forward. Um, Also at the time, once I got back and and prior, when I was serving in the Monterey County DA's office, I became very active with community organizations. So volunteered uh, for the Veterans Transition Center, uh, worked on getting a veterans treatment court, worked on getting our first uh, veterans cemetery here in Monterey County and on the Central Coast. Uh, And then also worked with the 
Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary and on the Advisory Council, uh, on the Community Foundation, uh, and a couple of other boards uh, where I volunteered my time. So once again, um, basically creating and building the foundation upon which this job is all about, be it uh, using evidence to create policy, uh, using evidence is how you proved your case uh, as a prosecutor to what we do now uh, as a policy creator, basically using evidence to do that, but also having a true understanding of what it means and what it takes to serve this community. Um, and having grown up here, uh, having been educated here, uh, having served here, uh, it uh, provided me with a good foundation upon which I can do my job today. Uh, and I'm very lucky uh, that I was able to do that. Very lucky that my grandfather uh, immigrated here and uh, raised his family here in which we were raised here. So, like I said, having that foundation of uh, understanding what it means to give back and how to give back to this community that we call home was an important foundation that, like I said, I continue to use today as a U.S. representative for the Central Coast. Nice. I think that's very admirable, your kind of connection to that that local area, and I think a lot of people value that. Um, so now that we've talked a little bit about what you've done for your current career, uh, let's talk about your career now. So what exactly is your job as a congressman representative? Yeah, as, as I see it, and as I've learned it, and as it's kind of come to be during my, this is on starting my third term, so going into my, I'm in, the, in, in the middle of my fifth year as a United States representative, um, you know, the, the main part of our job, why I do this job is to basically affect people's lives, okay? And you can do that in a number of ways. Uh, you know, obviously the most important way is, is to help them with an issue, a personal issue dealing with the federal government. Now, once again, what people need to understand is as a congressman, as a United States representative, I'm exactly that. I am at the federal government level. So if you have an issue with a, a, a city issue, if you have a county issue, you have other representatives that can help you, even a state issue. If we have state representatives here. But if you're dealing with the federal government, that's where you need to understand you have to come to me. I am that bridge to the federal government and back here on the Central Coast. If you have an issue with the Veterans Affairs, if you have an issue with IRS, if you have an issue with immigration, if you have an issue with Social Security, um, those types of federal issues, you can come to me and I will help you with those personal issues. So it's basically that individual type of personal service which is very tough, uh, but it is the crux of our job, helping people on the Central Coast, but also fighting for our Central Coast values in Washington, D.C., making sure that what goes on here in the Central Coast of California is represented out in Congress, out in Washington, D.C., and ensuring that our values are not just fought for, but bolstered and supported through the federal government. That's a very important job for me when I'm out in Washington, D.C. And obviously it's doing it through my advocacy, but also mainly we're there to create legislation, to create laws at the federal level which benefit us. Um, you know, protections, uh, immigration reform, um, and, and another of, a number of other areas which I'm sure we'll get into. But obviously, like I said, making sure that we are doing everything we can at the federal level to create legislation that supports, bolsters, and enhances what we stand for here on the Central Coast. Now, obviously, as you know, on the Central Coast, 
you know, what, what I like to pride our, myself on and, and what I think we should all be proud of is our beauty and our bounty. So obviously we're very proud of our environment and what we stand for when it comes to protecting our environment and our uh, natural environment here on the Central Coast. So obviously we have a lot of beauty and we know what that can lead to, obviously preservation of, um, of our environment, but also the hospitality industry that we have here that thrive because people come here to experience the beauty that we've worked so hard to protect. And then it's also protecting our bounty. Obviously, our number one industry by far is what people see when they drive to the coast, and that's our uh, agriculture. And ensuring that our, our agriculture is supported and protected, but also not just about the products, it's about the people in agriculture. So yes, it's about supporting our farmers, but also supporting our farm workers. What people need to understand is we have specialty crops here uh, on the Central Coast. And so it's basically those are the types of crops that you can't just run a machine through to harvest them. We need people to do that. And that's why you see a lot of people in the fields when you're driving in, our, in on the Central Coast. We have a lot of farm workers, people who are willing to come here and do that very laborious, very difficult work. Um, and we're so lucky that people are willing to do that. Uh, what I mean by that, willing to come here and do that. Now, obviously, these are types of jobs that no, to be honest with you, no American citizen will do. Uh, but people who are willing to come to this country to make that sacrifice, to take that risk, to come here, to work here in our agriculture and contribute to our economy, contribute to our community. But most importantly, it's that those immigrants that come here and contribute to our culture and what we stand for as a community. And it's my job to make sure that they're protected as well. So once again, it's serving, it's being a U.S. representative is about serving the people of the Central Coast uh, on these very personal issues, but also fighting very hard for our values and what we stand for as a community here on the Central Coast. That's what I see my job is uh, as a U.S. representative. So, so switching lanes a little bit, I know as a youth, and, and I think Juana can speak to this as well, we're not very informed um, on a lot of national issues. You know, sometimes I, I'll watch the news when my parents have it on, take a look at the newspaper, but um, we're not super informed with the news. We've got, we've got a lot of other stuff going on. So my question for you is, uh, what are some of the things coming out of Washington, D.C. right now uh, that you should be paying attention to? Youth, sorry. Well, first of all, uh, Isaac, Isaac, let me correct you. I've met you. I've talked to you. I kind of know you, man. And let me tell you, you are definitely not underinformed. You know your stuff. Uh, and so don't sell yourself short when it comes to that. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, I know you guys got other stuff going on, as you should, man. Uh, you are at, at a stage in your life where you got a number of things going on in your high school career, but also looking forward as to what, where you'll go in continuing your educational career, which is very, very important. But that being said, and as a father of two high school daughters uh, who I proudly go to the same high school I went to, same public high school I went to, um, kids these days, and I, when I say kids, I don't, I don't mean that in degrading anyway. I mean, you are kids, but man, kids these days, are very, very uh, on top of what's going on, a hell of a lot more 
than I was, a hell of a lot more than my friends were um, in, in high school back uh, in the 80s, if I can say. Uh, and so let me tell you, you guys are definitely involved and, and definitely knowledgeable about what's going on and, and just know how much that we in Washington, D.C. appreciate that and respect that, especially considering all that you go on and your focus on your careers going forward, but knowing how involved you are and, and how determined you are uh, to have an impact on what we do uh, at the local level, but also in, in Washington, D.C. at the federal level. So thank you very much for being on top of that. And so as you know, obviously some of the most important issues that we're dealing with right now in Washington, D.C., um, one is obviously the pandemic and where we go with that. Now, we, um, I, you know, I got to say, get, going into the pandemic, I was very proud and the government response. And as I always said, now more than ever, government needs to work for the people. And I'm proud to say that we did that, especially in, uh, in response to the pandemic. And what I mean is at the federal level, we provided the relief funding that was so, so necessary for our states and our counties and our cities and our communities to basically endure and fight. And I believe eventually is going to defeat the pandemic. And so we came together on a bipartisan basis, Democrats and Republicans last year, uh, and passed five major relief packages worth record-setting amounts, $4.3 trillion, record-setting amounts that really helped our country get to where we are right now. Um, and so I'm very proud of that. Yet, you know, as you know, um, more needs to be done because obviously we're dealing with the Delta variant right now and therefore more needs to be provided. But that's also why this year in 2021, we passed the American Rescue Plan that provided um, the help that was necessary, the funding that was necessary to continue to recover out of this pandemic, continue to provide the vaccines directly from the federal government to get those shots in people's arms, which was very, very important. And so we're going to continue to need to do that to make sure that the funding that we uh, okayed and that we passed actually gets into the communities is very, very important. One of the big issues right now with people who rent is that we provided uh, in part of the American Rescue Plan um, billions of dollars to be distributed throughout this country for people to have rent relief and landlords to get that money from their renters. But unfortunately, that money's not getting to the people who need it the most. So we got to do a better job at, the local, at all levels of government, making sure that that funding and that relief get there. Um, and then continuing to make sure that we get the vaccines out and make sure that we uh, people continue to accept the vaccines and that we do a better job in, in messaging and making sure people understand how valuable the vaccines are, especially dealing with the different variants. So obviously dealing with the pandemic, that's number one. Number two, it's, it's focusing on something that we haven't focused on in the past couple decades, and that's infrastructure investment. Making sure that we do something that we haven't done and that's invest in our infrastructure. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's talking about roads and airports and seaports and waterways and clean and safe drinking water, uh, definitely rural broadband, but also other areas that we need here on the Central Coast. Affordable housing is such an important topic here on the Central Coast, making sure that there's significant investment at the federal level. What you have to realize is when it comes to affordable housing, traditionally that's really not a federal issue. You had counties, cities, and even states focus on that. But unfortunately, as we know, 
homelessness and affordable housing is an all hands on deck issue. And so you're seeing all levels of government take part in that. And that's why I'm proud the federal government has stepped up and not just provided the hundreds of millions of, of dollars in, in, in funding for homeless homelessness and affordable housing, but also uh, in this investment package, you're going to see a significant amount, billions of dollars put towards affordable housing in that. And then also dealing with climate change. Obviously, we are experiencing and seeing the effects of climate change, and it's how we address that. Can we address that? Now, as you know, politically, um, unfortunately, there are many people um, in Washington, D.C., particularly on the other side of the aisle from my party, that uh, don't feel the need to act right away. Well, we do. And that's why with the Biden administration and this Congress, this Democratic Congress, we're going to make sure that we put in that infrastructure bill um, ways in which we can deal with the effects of climate change and start to reduce our carbon output. As we saw from the report that was released earlier this week by the United Nations, we need to act now. And we cannot wait any longer. Uh, we're experiencing, we're directly experiencing the effects of climate change. We see it here on the Central Coast with our wildfires. We're experiencing it with rising sea levels. And other parts of our country are experiencing it with storms and flooding and extreme weather events um, that we have to do something about in the drought as well. Uh, and, and part of that is the way we can address that. And I think it's pretty much um, agreed upon, at least for the most part, politically, is dealing with our, our carbon output. So we have to find ways to get people to decarbonize our, our electrical grid, but also decarbonize our transportation sector. And we can do that through certain tax incentives to get people to realize that there's a financial benefit to do that. Now, to be frank, we shouldn't have to do that. They should do it anyway. But you know what? They need they need to do it because they got to continue to survive economically. And so by having tax incentives to do that is the way that I believe that's going to happen in the infrastructure package. So once again, pandemic. Dealing with that, making sure the funding's there so that we can continue to recover. Infrastructure investment, but as a part of infrastructure investment, focusing on affordable housing and focusing on dealing with the decarbonization of our electrical sector, sector and our transportation sector so that we, we can reduce our carbon output and make sure that our earth is still here, uh, basically livable and ha inhabitable uh, as we go forward for our future. Okay, I heard, I heard you mention um, a little bit of funding and, and kind of that resources, talk about resources. Um, so I know we've talked to you, um, my youth group has talked to you before, kind of about youth resources um, and youth programs uh, and stuff like that. But I'm interested to hear uh, what else you've heard from youth, uh, especially kind of about resources and some of the things that they need, those important resources uh, in supporting youth. Well, look, I, I think, you know, obviously when you talk about youth, I think one of the most important things you can talk about is education and how we can continue to make sure education is one, accessible and two, affordable. Uh, right now, we're seeing young men and women graduate college with thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, in debt. And that really stunts their growth and stunts their movement forward and, yes, stunts their future and their opportunities for their future, to be frank. Because with that debt, it sort of limits them to what they can do uh, in regards to buying a home or uh, having a partner or moving or, um, you know, are, are deciding to continue their education or switching jobs. Uh, and so it's making sure that we can uh, hopefully 
get to a point where higher education is affordable. And a way we can do that, and one of the ways you're going to see that being done is in this infrastructure package, we're going to look at providing free community college, uh, which I think is, in, is, is instrumental. And I say that because, look, man, I went to a community college. I went to Monterey Peninsula College for two years. Um, I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. Um, and look, I, I needed that, to be frank. When I was in high school, I wasn't as focused as you. I can tell you that much. Well, I was, but I wasn't focused on my academics. I was focused on athletics. Uh, and, and I wasn't as well-rounded as you, Isaac, and Juana, uh, and then you, to do both. And so I, I just kind of focused on athletics. But the MPC gave me that opportunity to pivot from athletics to academics and also work full-time, to be honest with you. Uh, and it allowed me that time, uh, that foundation, that kind of stepping stone uh, that I used uh, to go to uh, then a four-year college after that, or two more years at UC Davis. Uh, fortunately, uh, I was able to then pay my way through college because of the, my full-time work when I was at MPC. Now, look, I, I know it's easy for me to say, especially back then, you could pay for college back then. It's a little tougher to do considering how expensive they are right now. So beyond free community college, when you if you do go to a four-year law college, how is it that we can also make that more affordable? And I, I believe it's basically looking at how we can forgive student loan debt. Uh, and that's why I signed on to a couple of bills, pieces of legislation uh, that basically cancel up to $50,000 in student loan debt, which I think is very important, as well as making it easier uh, to understand, um, you know, uh, loan forgiveness and the modernization and uh, modernization of the loan forgiveness. And I put forward a bill uh, that does that as well, makes it a little bit easier to get to uh, understanding how students can get their, their uh, loans forgiven, especially when they go into public service. So it really is about affordability of colleges and college education. And know that we're not just talking about that in Washington, D.C. We're actually doing something about it, as you're going to see in this infrastructure package with free community college is what we're shooting for, but also working to forgive student loan debt up to, up to uh, certain amounts uh, for those who have incurred it. But also then looking at before that, looking at universal pre-K, obviously people understand how important it is, um, you know, those early years to make sure that uh, basically uh, there is pre-K uh, resources available for those families and those children uh, prior to them taking advantage of our public school system uh, and making that universal as well and that available and accessible as well. So I, I think basically it's making sure um, education, education is affordable education is accessible and know that that's being done in Washington, DC. So again, again, again on the funding. So I know my youth group has kind of talked to you. Um, I'm sure other youth groups have, I'm a part of COPA or my youth group is a part of COPA as well, uh, which is an organization that talks to uh, policymakers, uh, to directly affect change. Uh, same thing with youth action network, uh, through United way. But I'm, I'm interested to, learn about the processes that you and others in Congress and go through to reach these conclusions on kind of the needs um, around your county uh, and district. I know, yeah, I know I mentioned kind of like the youth seminars, um, but what are some of the other ways that you hear about these issues? Oh, look, I think, um, you know, obviously where I'm located on the central coast of California uh, and, and basically the legislation part of it is all the way across the country in Washington, D.C. 
um, you know, I, I travel back and forth uh, and I make that a point because um, although I work in Washington, D.C., my home and the people I represent are all the way out here on the central coast of California. So every week I'm going back and forth. That's important to me. I'm not staying in Washington, D.C. on the weekends. Uh, I come back here, yes, to be with my family, but more importantly, uh, well, not more importantly, but also <laughs> to be with the people of the Central Coast. And so I get out and about. And so if you look at my, uh, go to my uh, webpage and you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, uh, you'll see that when I'm in the district, I'm meeting with all sorts of people. I'm going to high schools. I'm going to elementary schools. I'm going to middle schools. Uh, I'm going to daycare centers. Uh, I'm going to pretty much everywhere and anywhere um, where that I can help uh, in, in order to get that type of information upon which I hear and, and have the pulse of what's going on in my community. As you know, this 20th congressional district here on the Central Coast is quite big. All of Monterey County, all of San Benito County, a significant part of Santa Cruz County, and a sliver of Santa Clara County up in Gilroy. It's one of the bigger districts in California. Um, and so it takes a lot of uh, drive time, a lot of time out and about, but in getting into all of the different and diverse communities. And that's another great thing about this district is it's very diverse in more ways than one. It's diverse ethnically, it's diverse politically, it's diverse geographically, uh, it's diverse economically. And it's not definitely not a monolithic uh, a district as, as there are in Congress, trust me. Uh, but what makes my district special, what makes it unique is the diversity of it. Um, and But that also takes making sure you listen to everybody, you get in front of everybody. I mean, look, I think you'll realize, Isaac, that um, when you look at employment, no matter what you do, 80% uh, of the job is showing up. And so it's my job to show up. Now, I obviously have a little bit different in my job. <laughs> I just don't go to the office. Uh, I go throughout the Central Coast. The Central Coast is my office. And so that's where I'm at when I'm here. And it's basically continuing to be in front of the people to most importantly, to listen to people and hear what they're saying. And so um, to answer your question here in the district, how I stay in tune and have my hand on the pulse, I show up. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the best things that people say is when they look at my Facebook feed or when they when they look at me on Twitter, they'll say, man, you're everywhere. And that's right. I am everywhere. That's my job. Uh, and so being everywhere allows me to be a better representative of the people who are everywhere in this district. So uh, that's the biggest part about it. Now, look, legislatively, that's a whole nother class I could teach on that and how we get stuff done. Once I get these ideas from people, once I know uh, what needs to be done at the federal level for the people on the Central Coast, it's then going through the legislative process back in Washington, D.C. And that's not easy. I got to say, that's probably one of the, the toughest jobs of, of, my, of my job is to pass legislation. Because as you know, look, being in the district and being out and about, I get energy from that. I like people. I'm curious about people. So showing up is the easy part for me. It's just doing the work. That doesn't bother me. I don't mind working hard. That's why I'm here. Yeah, but it, passing legislation obviously takes a lot of work, but it takes a lot of uh, finding that balance, to be honest with you. As, as one of my colleagues said, passing legislation is like being a, uh, a peewee hockey team on a peewee hockey team and playing the, the professional hockey team, the Olympic hockey team from the Soviet Union back in 1980 uh, and being able to score that puck 
uh, as the peewee hockey team. Uh, and it takes so it takes a, a little bit of skill, uh, a lot of work, and a lot of luck to basically get that puck through those legs and into that net. Um, but you can't just do it uh, by by you know just hitting it. You got to work hard at it, and you got to continue it. And it may not take the first game that you're going to beat the Soviet Union. Uh, it may t- take a few games uh, in which you actually not just beat them, but actually score on them. Uh, and and that's kind of like what legislation making is about. It takes persistence, and it takes continuing to try to find a way, try to find that crack and that crevice upon which you can get that goal in that net and get that legislation passed. So that's pretty tough to do, but. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's also fun because you know once you do that, you're helping the the, the people that 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 mean the most to me as a representative, and that's my community members here on the Central Coast. So you mentioned the issue of carbon use, how it's affecting our environment. So I want to know what exactly does climate change mean to you, and what do you think we should do or we should be addressing the most in our county to help it. Yeah, look, I, I think what, what climate change, you know, just just look out your window uh, and that's climate change to me. And I, and I say that on different levels. One, I, I grew up here on the Central Coast. Um, you know, this is all I know. This is the only place I've called home. And I think we've done such an amazing job. We are so lucky to have people before us upon which we stand, the shoulders that we stand upon of people who did had the foresight and did everything possible to protect this place that we call home. It's a reason why we have a national park in our backyard. It's a reason why we have a national sanctuary in our front yard, because there are people before us who understood how important it was to protect the beauty of the Central Coast. And it's our responsibility as legislators. It's your responsibility as the future to not just stand on those shoulders, but to continue to lift that torch up of protecting this place so, so high. And uh, the way we can do that is not only continuing that legacy of environmental protections and fighting for that legacy, as I had to do uh, in the last four years under administration that did everything it could to roll back those environmental protections, uh, we stood firm. And we made sure that that administration was not going to infringe upon the protections that we put in place. But also it's coming up with ways upon which we can looking at the future and seeing these extreme weather events, what we can do to minimize that going forward. Now, as we're faced right now with these extreme weather events and for us on the Central Coast, it's dealing with our wildfires. We got to find ways not just to fund the suppression of the wildfires, to prevent future wildfires. That's why I've basically been the author of several pieces of legislation that deal with the reforestation projects, that deal with making sure we get rid of the dead and dying fuels, but also have more forest personnel, service personnel in our forests, uh, national forest. And then it's basically making sure, looking forward, how can we stop these extreme weather events from happening? And that's when it comes to the question that you asked of the decarbonization of uh, our basically energy sector and our energy or energy sector and our transportation sector of making sure that we provide incentives so that there are carbon free buses, uh, public transportation is carbon free, 
that we ensure that our cars are carbon free, that we ensure that, um, you, you know, there are ways in which to get people out of cars, get people uh, onto bikes. That's why I introduced uh, a tax incentive for people to buy e-bikes, which are so important and so fun and so popular these days. And then going forward, it's looking at how we get big companies to pivot to renewable energy, get away from fossil fuel, the use of fossil fuels, and pivot and transition to renewables, wind, solar, uh, geothermal, uh, what type of transition energy we can use to do that as well. And it's making sure that when we focus not just on those sources, how we can store that energy as well. So we have to look at battery storage and coming up with batteries. And that's why we need more investment in um, batteries and storage as well. Uh, you got to realize we have one of the largest battery storage units in the world here in Moss Landing in our district. Uh, I'm going to um, the opening of it next week. Uh, and that's something we should be proud of. But it's also basically, um, once again, incentivizing that. And one of the ways we can do that is with a carbon fee. Basically, uh, using a sort of a carbon on tax for companies so that they can uh, watch and be incentivized to roll back uh, their carbon output. And what you do with that fee is you reinvest it. Reinvest it in research and development. Reinvest it in the communities, especially communities of color, who have been hurt the most by climate change. And reinvestment in those transitioning in jobs from the fossil fuel sector to the green energy sector. Uh, and taking that money and doing that. And that was a piece of legislation I authored last year uh, to do that. So um, it's once again, it's, it's yes, having these ideas, putting forward these pieces of legislation, but ultimately it's passing it into law and making sure that people play their part. And that's what we're trying to do in Congress so that we can continue to hold that torch of environmental protections, environmental values that we have here on the Central Coast we do it here on the Central Coast. We just got to make sure other parts of this country see that flame and understand the value of that environmental flame. So your job consists of making big decisions and helping le to lead people to resources and as well helping the environment. So I would like to know, what does leadership mean to you? Um, I, look, I think leadership, in my role, leadership uh, means that you continue to serve people. You got to understand that um, when you get into this role, I do believe that you have to have a foundation. You have to have a rote belief, an internal value of what it means to why you're getting into this job. And to me, you have to understand, I believe the most important thing is being able to serve people, but also knowing how to serve people. Now, that's why, as I said at the beginning of this interview, for me, it was about making sure I fully understood what it means to serve the victims of heinous and atrocious crimes as a prosecutor, what it meant to give back to my community, to the veterans who served our country and volunteering for them, what it meant to be a part of the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary Advisory Council, uh, you know, basically the work that we have to do to uphold uh, the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. So you have to understand that, you know, leadership means having an understanding of what it means to give back and what it means to serve people. 
And the way you can do that also is by just, you know, like I said, it's showing up and leading by example, making sure that you are out front, that you are doing the work, that you are serving people. And to me, other people are going to see that. Other people are going to be inspired by that. And other people are going to be motivated to also not just serve, but get involved and give back to this community. And so leadership is a, is a combination. I believe leadership is a combination of, 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 of efforts, and it's a, and it's a combination of efforts uh, of upholding values of public service, uh, especially in this job, uh, being a public servant, being a representative at the federal level, an understanding of what it means to serve people, but also knowing all the hard work and the grind that it takes to do that. And it's not easy. And a lot of times it's definitely not glamorous. Let me tell you, it's few and far between that. You don't do this job for the glamour. You do this job knowing that you can affect people's lives by one at a time making sure that you make government work for them. Is there any advice that you have for youth that want to become leaders in their communities, states, or nation? Well, look, like Isaac said, you know, you guys have a lot going on right now. And I do believe that the most important thing you can do is continue to build the foundation upon which you can basically do anything you want. Now, um, what you got to realize is it's not just about yelling and screaming and to get things done. Don't get me wrong. I get the yelling and I get the screaming. And, you know, you may be heard, but are you credible in your yelling and screaming? And the way, the way you're credible in doing that is by your foundation and your foundation, which is built upon an education. And so it's continuing to make sure that, you know, you have the education that's going to provide you with those opportunities to do anything you want, but also it's going to provide you with the credibility to say what you want. And so my advice was would be continue to do what you do best, and that's continue to build the foundation of education, because let me tell you, a lot of my opportunities came from the hard work that I put into my education and uh, the opportunities that were provided to me because of my education, be it at the high school level, be it at the community college level, be it at the college level, and definitely at the law school level. Uh, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this position. I definitely wouldn't be talking to you if it wasn't for my education, especially my time at Monterey Peninsula College, that I use that as a foundation to basically pivot and go forward. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of men and women, young men and women who are listening to this, who basically say, look, I know what I want to do, and I know where I want to go. go. More to you. Well, let me tell you, there's probably a lot of kids, a lot of young men and women who are listening to this who don't know. And that's fine. That's okay. As long as you continue to go forward, I would say, because as long as you continue to not let the grass grow under your feet, you're going to have more opportunities that are going to be there in which you can choose to uh, to find as ways in which you can go forward. Um, that That's kind of how I did it. And uh, so, like I said, if you know where you want to go, more to it, get after it. If you don't know what you, where you want to go, that's okay as well. Just make sure you're going forward in what you do. And Congressman Panetta, now it is time for the long-awaited signature question of the Gen Impact podcast. Why do you do the work that you do? Because <laughs> nothing beats 
being able to affect people's lives for the better through the service that you provide, hands down. This job is about affecting people's lives. That's why I got into it. That's why I continue to do it. And that's why I hope to continue to do it, especially when it comes to affecting people's lives who live right here on the Central Coast, the place that we call home. Perfect. Uh, to wrap it up, Congressman Fanetta, I know we have a lot of listeners on the Central Coast. So for those people, where can we find you? Uh, where can we reach you? Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And thank you much for asking that. Look, uh, I, I, I know a lot of you are online. So go to panetta.house.gov. That's my website. Once again, panetta.house.gov. But to be honest, if you really want to you know, speak to a human being, uh, do me a favor. Pick up the phone. Call area code 831-429-1976. That's my Santa Cruz office. If you want to speak to someone out in Washington, D.C., call area code 202-225-2861. Like I said, panetta.house.gov. If you want to go on and you want to see what I'm doing and see where I'm out and about in the district and see what legislation I'm working on to affect your lives. But if you want to speak to somebody directly, uh, and that's probably the best way to get a hold of me, call uh, our, my office. Once again, Santa Cruz office is 202, excuse me, 831-429-1976. 831-429-1976. Thank you. That about does it. Outstanding. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Juana. Appreciate what you guys are doing at Aptos Community Youth. Keep up the great work and know that if there's ever, ever anything that I can do to support you, please, please reach out to me at any time. I'm here for you. Thank you. Thank you for coming.